You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, today I am joined again by um, Nick Smith, <coughs> who you will know from previous uh, podcast episodes, and we're here today to talk about Nick's book. Um, I won't ruin it by telling you what it's about, but you can probably guess it's got something to do with family businesses, um, and I'm intrigued as to, firstly, Nick, um, what, what has driven you to, to write a book? It's not an easy process. It isn't an easy process, and it took a, a, a good couple of years to uh, to get it down on on, on paper. Uh, what motivated me? Well, just interest to start with. Uh, that I, I have been interested in the family business field for fifteen years or so, and partly uh, when you're practicing in the uh, uh, in, in the field, you ha- even though you spend a reasonable amount of your time uh, learning, training, teaching, which forces you to think about issues at a, a reasonable level, uh, somehow you never quite think about them in, in enough detail to f- think you fully nailed the point down. So I was actually interested in just capturing what I what I knew, mm-hmm. uh, and trying to uh, you know get that into one place, basically. But the interesting thing is, when you start writing down what you think you know, you also realise what you don't know. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I think in its original concept form, when it was commissioned by the the publishers, I think they were looking for about uh, three hundred pages. Okay. Uh, the book grew into something like a thousand page monster Mm -hmm. so I don't know whether that just illustrates uh, the difference between what I knew at the time and what I now know Mm. Uh, and the 700 pages is what I didn't know then. Wow that's quite a learning curve for yourself through that that process as well then. It is a learning curve because I I think most professionals uh, understand their core subject well uh, and they know bits about their uh, uh, about the adjacent subjects, if I can put it that mm. way. So I, I practiced as a corporate lawyer for years and been interested in family business work uh, for for half my career. Uh, and as a result of that, I think I knew probably more about adjacent areas. Of, of law and professional practice than, than most lawyers. Mm-hmm. But it's surprising how little I knew, for example, about the world of trusts and divorce mm-hmm. and, and so forth. Uh, and so part of the mission was to find out more and to work with specialist divorce lawyers, specialist trust lawyers, to say, well, what do... Uh, 
business families going through the, uh, uh, those issues, uh, maybe a family member encountering a matrimonial breakdown, what do they really need to know uh-huh. that's specific to their, uh, their family business situation? Okay. And so you've gone through the process of um, writing uh, the book and in terms of any overriding lessons, I guess it's difficult in in such a body of work to say that there's one thing to take away from it, Um, but is there a a recurring theme that uh, appears within your research that uh, is an area where businesses may want to focus on? If I had to condense a thousand pages to one word, that that word would be governance. Okay. And for those that don't come across that word in a, a in their day to day sort of business of their own, what is it you mean by governance? What I mean is to spend a lot of time thinking carefully about the relationship between the business owning family and their family business mm-hmm. uh, and pausing you know ideally at sort of stru- putting structures in place you know, be that uh, regular time out of the business for early stage husband and wife or uh, domestic partner partnerships if I can put it that way uh, just to think about business issues, but also f- for anybody involved in a family business, just thinking through the big picture questions like why are we in business together? Mm-hmm. Why would we be encouraging or discouraging our children to join this business? Why do I want to be in business with my brothers, sisters, cousins? What do these aspects look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really by focusing on the big picture questions at appropriate times, you come to the best of family business answers. Mm-hmm. Now, there is certainly a, a sort of family business governance industry uh, that, that's developing where professionals help families put in place their family charters, their family councils, their family assemblies. Uh, but really, uh, that's the end product of governance. That's the vehicle uh, and the mechanism to, to put the the underlying thinking into in, in, into practice. It's the mm. structure rather than the content. Right. Okay. And so, my understanding of, of those um, processes is that actually the conversations that the collecting of issues and opinions and ideas around what a family charter may look like is probably far more valuable than the physical charter you you get at the end of it. It's having those open conversations and the fact that something as simple as the word honesty could mean something different to one individual within the family business to another individual in the family business. But having that conversation around what it means to each of them is far more valuable than putting honesty as part of a family charter, for example. That's absolutely correct. And it, it's it's a fascinating process to 
to work with a family and, and, and uh, see a family go through the, uh, the, the, the process of putting a family charter together. And you're absolutely right. Uh, if a family is committed to the process, they will want to talk about every single word in the charter. Mm. And it can sometimes take uh, weeks, if not months, to work through uh, a, a, a word or a sentence in, in the charter. Mm -hmm. And really, the, the charters are vehicles for communication. You know, the family are talking about important stuff. And because it is so important to them and means so much, they want to get it right. Mm. And it is very much the. It has to be the family's charter, as opposed to the advisor's charter that yeah. is put in front of the family. Yeah. Uh, Just change the header on there to match the family business name. Here's your family yeah. charter. <laughs> I, I, I was once asked the question in uh, doing some training, and. Uh, the question came up, why does it take so long for family charters to be put in place? I think I may have said that a particular family charter took a year or 18 months to, to put in place. Well, how can that be? And mm. we were just mucking around. And uh, we put up, 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 up the, the, the key points from a standard family charter, you know, a precedent family charter. I think we did, we, 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 uh, we worked out the, uh, we completed the family charter in four and a half minutes. Right. Uh, because that was the, an advisor, a group of advisors, mm -hmm. an advisor's view yep. about what a business family should be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 there are precedent documents available. I, yes, I reckon uh, 15 minutes tops, you could produce one for a family. Yeah. But that's the advisor's charter. Absolutely. It isn't the family's charter. Yeah. And, you know, you go back to the word honesty. That, that may well uncover some very, very deep and difficult issues in that particular business family. Mm. Uh, there may have been an issue, let's say, about the level of remuneration or fringe benefits that the, uh, the insider running the business had taken. Mm. And so do you call it honest if you upgrade your car to a 7-series BMW when yep. Dad was always happy driving, uh, driving a Rover Absolutely, uh, without yeah. telling us? Mm. Now, it's that level of structured, difficult, structured communication over difficult issues that builds something lasting and meaningful for a family. Mm -hmm. Skipping over those issues, uh, either because the family... Uh, struggles to confront them, or worse still, uh, an advisor comes up with a prescription of, uh, a, 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 of uh, a, a, a laudable adjectives that describe the family's relationship with its business. Mm. Uh, it's pretty much not worth the paper it's yeah. written on. It's very dangerous as well, isn't it? Because there's different interpretations. If you haven't gone through that communication piece to develop that, um, document that there can be different interpretations whereas the, it's less likely to happen if those conversations have taken place and yes it's an investment of time and, and potentially a cost to the business that you're not out selling whilst you're having these um, conversations but the benefit of having those is is far outweighs that 
um, the, the cheaper alternative, I guess is what I'm saying. Definitely. Uh, the, you're right, the, 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 the key point is that the value is in the communication and the conversation as opposed to the end product. Mm. doesn't mean to say the end product isn't important because it, it, it is the reference point that families can go back to time and time again and mm. say, look, you will remember that we included the word honesty and integrity in our charter yeah. for this reason. Mm. Do you, you know, and uh, people will remember those conversations and will keep coming back to key part, parts of the key parts of the charter. Mm. And I guess it acts as a a safety net um, b behind potential dispute as well, in, in that there's a reassurance that um, if things turn sour and there's disagreements within the business, that there are those conversations and that document to fall back on to say look, the, the, we might be having these heated discussions now, but let's remember what we've discussed at this point and what, why we agreed on these things um, w when we did. Um, so it acts as a, a, a barrier to, to disputes getting completely out of hand. That's an interesting point. And one of the things I look at in the book is uh, the extent to which courts looking at a family business dispute would, mm. would take family charters into account. Because mm. they're not legally binding, are they? Well, they're not legally binding. Uh, having said that, uh, I'm convinced that the conclusion I came to was that the, uh, the courts would take a lot of notice about what a family had actually written down in, mm. in their charter. Because... Yeah. Often by the time uh, disputes escalate and get before a court, uh, you've got two conflicting views uh, about uh, what's fair and how, uh, how the family intended to approach their business, mm -hmm. you know, whether or not, uh, uh, for example, uh, everybody should be allowed to participate in the business on a, an active day-to-day -day basis. Uh, what's fair about dividends and remuneration. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's actually written down, ideally two things are going to happen. Firstly, things won't escalate in the first place because the first part of the, the insurance policy is this covered. Mm -hmm. We have talked about this. What we said was that you would... Uh, 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 the insiders would take reasonable remuneration. So, uh, and... Uh, because we argued about that two generations ago, we've got some guidance as to what reasonable means. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that the, ideally the dispute wouldn't arise or escalate in the first place. The second part of the insurance policy is if it does, you've got somewhere to go. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right, absolutely not binding on the court, but I, I, I strongly believe that they would it would be highly persuasive mm -hmm. Because a lot of the cases, uh, are courts really involve courts and judges groping round in the dark, trying uh -huh. to guess what the part, what the clients actually intended yeah. in the first place. With two conflicting sides of the same argument, presenting a case to, as to why they should be um, the, the judge order in favour of them. Yeah, and each, I think, often genuinely believing that uh, right is on their side. Absolutely. Yeah.
Okay, so, so governance obviously features um, within the book. What other key areas do you cover, or is it, is it a very broad um, subject? Well, family businesses are uh, a broad subject. Um, the, the, uh, what I tried to do was, was look at all the potential points of interaction between uh, a family business and, in particular, the, the legal system. Mm -hmm. And because of the complexity of, of, of the family business model, it pretty much, the issues pretty much touch every area of law. Uh, because you have got not only uh, business issues, you've got family and private client issues, and the collision between the two, yeah. uh, there are something like 26 chapters in the book. Wow. And uh, that's roughly 26 areas of overlap. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and we've discussed historically um, the, the overlap in terms of things like property ownership and how um, businesses are owned and, and split and, and there, there has to be an interaction there between um, what goes on within the business world and what goes on within what we could call the, the, the outside world which is okay. where there's relationships um, beginning and ending and, and the interaction of that as well. Yeah, um, I think when I started out uh, looking at family business issues and uh, in the early stage of building family business teams, uh, it wasn't immediately obvious uh, that property uh, real estate would form a big component of that, but but it does. Mm. I think for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I'm convinced that family businesses uh, tend to own property and it, uh, and. Uh, get involved in property investment much more than non-family counterparts. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's part of the sort of conservative uh, investment philosophy of, of family business. Look, you know, let's own the bricks and mortar. Why yeah. should we be paying rent to our landlords when we could be building this for the benefit of the family? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 let's buy the property next door because it'll be a good investment in inverted commas. Mm -hmm. The second thing that happens is that uh, that property acquisition and the way families deal with property tends to be very, very informal. Mm. Uh, oh, because we're not using the property next door, we'll let uh, Cousin Joe... Uh, uh, use it for his business or park his lorry there or, yeah. or whatever. So you then end up with a complete mishmash of, uh, of, of properties that don't fit any sort of logical property investment criteria mm. uh, and certainly haven't been managed to uh, prop you know, property management best practice principles. Absolutely. Uh, Therefore, uh, if problems arise, they are very difficult to sort out mm. uh, because nobody quite c can quite work out uh, what the rights of, uh, of, of family owners are. Mm. We certainly come across examples where property, where families own, you know, between them, uh, or you know, up to a hundred different properties. Mm. You know, 
mixtures of every type and species of yeah. property you can think of, and none of it written down. Yeah. And that comes back to, to your point at, at outset, is maybe the, the biggest area of focus is on the governance side yeah. of things, and, and, and that would fall under that banner as well, wouldn't it? the it, it formalisation def- of, of documentation, etc. I, 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 yeah, you're right, I'm convinced we come back to the G word. Mm. Uh, um, so that's that has nothing to do with family charters. Mm-hmm. That, that just has to do with sort of wider common sense and mm-hmm. a wider look at well, what would a non-family owner uh, be doing in terms of writing stuff down and yeah. uh, and, and, and formalising these arrangements? Exactly. And that's governance, in yeah. my view. And if if you take a scenario of say you and I wanted to go into uh, some form of property ownership together, we would want to make sure that we are both protected in, in as uh, as complete way as possible. Whereas if I was going into, say, a a property ownership with um, my mum and dad or uh, with siblings, there's that element of, well, they're my family, they're not going to, we don't need to go through that process because it is a family uh, entity as opposed to a non-family entity. And I guess that's an area you come across as well, where because of the family element, attention to governance is not as high. Absolutely, definitely. Uh, yeah, the. I think most most lawyers, most professionals would often believe there's more that could be done by by most clients to formalise arrangements. Mm. But uh, uh, business families, in particular, uh, are very very light on on, on documents. And, I suppose when I started out, I used to think it was a bit of an impertinence mm. to suggest that uh, a, a family and business together ought to be putting shareholders' agreements or leases or whatever bit of paper uh, would be recommended best practice in, into place. I've actually got to the stage where I think it's a necessity. Mm. I think it's probably more important for business families to, to get their paper ducks in a row. Yep. Uh, because the consequences of uh, falling out and uh, differences of interpretation and difficulties are much greater for uh, a family business for uh, a family in business together than than a non-family situation. Mm. If you and I uh, fell out about uh, our jointly owned investment property, it's probably going to be pretty easy. To guess what we would have intended, yeah, uh, it's probably going to be easier to sort out, even if uh, the implied intentions can't can't be easily divined. Uh, and at the end of the day, we don't really have to talk to each other. Exactly, you can just be that guy I used to be in business with, but uh, we had this disagreement and never yep. talk to him again. Yeah, uh, that's not good news, but it's much less tragic than. Uh, if uh, family members fall out over uh, a property yeah, and absolutely. your side of the family uh, sold it, took it for their benefit, or whatever. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely, and and that uh, again comes back to to that the magical G word, isn't it? It's it's the governance piece uh, around that, and it, it may be seen as an inconvenience to put that in place, but actually, if you you consider the implications of not doing so, then they're, they're considerably um, harder work at that stage than than putting in the governance in the first place. Absolutely, I mean, it, 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 governance is a form of insurance. Mm. Uh, it does take time and it does have a cost attached to it. The trick is to keep both the cost and the time proportionate, but uh, I believe there are ways of doing that. Mm. Uh, it, it just it needs uh, business families just to take a step back and, and, and you say think through what could go wrong. Mm. Then, like a lot of insurance policies, it probably won't yeah absolutely great stuff so um in terms of the book where can people find out more um about it what's it called how can they get hold of it well it's somewhat Im unimaginatively titled advising the family-owned business right it sort of does what it says on the tin uh it is published by lexis nexus it's uh, available on their uh their website uh it should be available in all good bookshops and a few bad ones too. And uh, it's also available on Amazon. Excellent. Well, what we'll do as well is we'll put some links in the show notes to um, uh, where you can uh, obtain the um, book from uh, and any links to, to get in touch with Nick himself uh, if you're interested in, in finding out a little bit more. Um, but for the time being, thank you, Nick, for your time and uh, good luck with the book. Thanks, Russell. That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. Or if you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fanbizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.